So every year as September approaches, there's always a cloud hanging over the tech industry, and that is, what is Apple going to announce? Apple's next big event is September 10th, which is just about a week away, and we have a lot to expect and a lot to anticipate. I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlow. This is Jason Squared. Let's talk all things Apple. Jason, what do we expect next week? Well, you know, it's a, free for, it's a refresh of all the junk, right? We got iPhones, the whole lineup. We have, looks like iPads, the entire lineup. Looks like Apple Watch, the, the watch, you know, uh, as to what they're gonna put on it, anybody knows at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically the whole lineup of junk is up for refresh, pretty much everything. Yeah, so we expect, what, three new iPhones this year, kind of following the pattern of what they did last year. We'll have a new naming scheme, which I am ecstatic about. We're getting rid of the iPhone X or the iPhone 10, which is the most confusing naming scheme ever. Even myself, I randomly would call it iPhone X, even though it's iPhone 10. It's just ingrained into our brains to say, you know, that X. But so this year we'll have iPhone 11 iPhone 11 Pro and iPhone iPhone 11 Pro Max. What do you think about the Pro naming scheme and kind of solidifying their entire lineup under, you know, an iPhone, iPad, iPhone Pro, iPad Pro? Well, it certainly worked for iPad because then you had the sense that, you know, this is a device that could be used in enterprise for business uh, situations and for content creation uh, professionals, right? So that's where the Pro comes from for iPad. Uh, for iPhone, I'm not sure if that's, the right moniker, unless we're talking about this thing being used for enterprise and business uh, scenarios uh, or for content creation professionals. I mean, you could argue that the, the cameras in the um, the 10S Max um, <laughs> are good enough for professional level content creation, especially if we're talking social media influencers, bloggers, that sort of thing. I don't really know if you can really say it matches the capabilities of a high-end um, DSLR or mirrorless uh, type of thing, you know, from Sony Alpha or any of those things. But uh, certainly it, it, it brings, uh, you know, it separates iPhone from the purely consumer experience and user experience to more of a prosumer um, experience. I think that's what pro is for is prosumer, not for professional, at least in the eye. Yeah, we're, we're definitely getting to a point where the pro name is getting a little carried away. And I think it's more of a, a status thing, especially as it comes down to the iPhone at this point. I think they should drop the max naming at, altogether <laughs> and have, you know, iPhone 11, iPhone 11 pro in two different sizes. I, let's just leave it at that. Let's forget the max part. Who cares? Like, let's drop that. I, I kind of like, I'm going, I'm, I'm hoping for like Quattro or like, you know, M, M, M3 or M6 or something like that, you know? Yeah, then we start getting off into those really long, old 4G LTE Samsung names that we had years ago that were like 20 words long. It was ridiculous. So we kind of know what the names are. We're glad they're ditching X and 10 and all of that. But what about specs? What are we looking at here for specs this year? So, you know, every single year, we, they, you know, Apple tends to double, you know, what they had before or, or every major refresh cycle, right? Whenever they go to that S type thing, they don't necessarily double, but whenever they go to the next, the next, I mean, technically this is an S year, isn't it? If it you is. think about it, it is an S year. So the question is, what is the most base level phone and, and base level iPad going to have in terms of a really, in terms of memory, right? A RAM. 
um, and, and flash storage, right? So I, I think we can expect uh, that, you know, they may, they may bump the RAM, you know, another gig or two potentially um, if they think that it needs, I think iOS 13, I think certainly could use the extra breathing space at this point. I think we can, we can agree on that. Um, the question is, will the base level storage on the cheapest iPhone now be one, and the cheapest iPad be 128 as opposed to 64 is, is really the question, right? So all along I've bought 64 gigabyte iPhones, gigabit iPhones, gigabyte iPhones, um, and I've had no issues. And I think we talked about it in our, our dream phone video where I switched back to Apple's iCloud photos. And since doing that, I wake up every morning to a storage is full alert on my iPhone. Yeah. And, you know, it's supposed to be smart storage where it only downloads the most recent photos and it kind of predicts what you're going to use. But every day I open it up, I'm looking at 16, 17, 20 gigs of photos that are downloaded to my phone that I don't need. So, look, 64 is no longer enough. Let's bump it up to 128. I desperately hope that's what they do. It's the right thing to do. Samsung starts at, what, 256 now? Yeah. Ridiculous. And, you know, we hear about how Tim Cook is talking to the president about competing with Samsung. Well, Let's do that in the real world and give us a little bit more storage. It's costing them pennies to double that storage. It's kind of hard, though, to compete with, say, you're going to compete with Samsung when you buy a lot of your essential parts from Samsung. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. They're a big, big supplier of theirs. Um, so the base storage, the phones are going to look mostly the same, from my understanding, with the exception of a new three-camera array on the Pro model. So instead of two cameras like there are now, there'll be three on the back the new lens or the new camera will be an ultra wide angle. So you'll be able to actually zoom out on a photo, capture more of the wide angle range of view right. in one shot instead of having to step back. This is something that other phones, Android phones have had for a couple of years now. LG's done it for, I don't know, four or five years now. Uh, you know, Samsung is finally starting to do it with the S10 and the Note 10 Plus, which is great. It's a feature I've always, loved LG for doing and has said, you know, it needs to come to more phones. Now the iPhone 11, the, which replaces the iPhone 10R, um, will have two lenses up from one it has this year. What do you think about the new camera upgrades? Well, you know, after being used to what's on the, in the Android space, it's going to have to do a heck of a lot to impress me, right? So, I mean, we know that the Pixel 3 currently, you know, it has that, that, that phenomenal phone. Uh, it has a, it's a single lens camera that happens to take Tremendous pictures, and a lot of it's happening with the uh, machine learning and uh, onboard processing capabilities, the dedicated process that they have for image uh, manipulation and, and such. Um, as far as we know, you know, Apple has not been making the kind of investments in machine learning and artificial intelligence in their SOC, the actual A13 system on a chip that is expected to come um, with both the, the iPhone and the iPad. So, um, you know, they're going to be relying on, you know, uh, software tricks with having to, you know, to uh, composite images with these multiple cameras and things like that, that uh, their competition is doing differently more in terms of uh, machine learning on device and offload the cloud. So, I mean, that's, that's what, you know, Samsung is doing. That's what Google's doing. And that's what Huawei is doing. And that's what, as I understand, OnePlus is also doing. So on the Android side, it's a lot of intelligence that's being applied, whereas Apple is, they're going with, 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 with the make lots and lots of lenses, you know, to, to try to fix the problem. And they don't have TOF, which is also a problem. Yeah, I think, you know, historically their cameras have always been really good. The glass has always been really good. The sensors have been great. That's never yeah. been a problem. Yeah, but they need to turn that corner and start doing some of the magic um, 
in post process or processing, you know, once after the, the picture is taken. So let's move on. There's been a rumor for a couple of years or for a year now that the iPhone 11, whatever it was going to be called then, will have reverse wireless charging, which is you place your phone face down, you know, tap a button on the screen, place your phone face down, put your AirPod case on it, put your Apple Watch on it, and it will actually, your phone will wirelessly charge any compatible, cheap compatible accessories, which I think is huge. It's a quick way to top off your AirPods while you're on the go or your Apple Watch. We just talked about charging and how important yeah. that stuff is. And so it's a welcome addition. Now, how fast that's gonna work, usually it's limited to five watts because of heat and you gotta protect the battery inside. And um, you, know, you don't wanna drain the phone's battery faster than you need to. Um, which is great. I welcome reverse wireless charging or whatever Apple ends up calling it. I'm sure they'll have some fancy name um, for it. But, you know, I, it's a welcome feature in my book. Yeah, it's a welcome feature. But I don't know how, how much I personally would use it. You know, now I've gotten used to having, uh, you know, multiple pads in the house uh, for different things. You know, I just got the new Belkin, which has got an integrated Apple Watch uh, and Apple and AirPods and uh you know an iphone charger built into it it's got three different charging sections so it's really kind of like uh their version of what the apple uh air power would have been and it works quite nice uh, actually for what it is um you know and i think and that's always parked next to my to my my bed you know on my nightstand um at the end of the night you know if i'm running out of juice i take this off i take the i put, put the iphone down i don't have a set of airpods but um if i did i would do the same thing um I, I mean, if I'm on the road, I mean, maybe if I was in an office in a work environment and I commuted to work and I didn't have one of those, you know, charging decks sitting on my desk, maybe, you know, I would be in a, in a, in a position where, you know, I would plug in the iPhone uh, to a hundred, to a, a USB uh, C to lightning charger and then invert it and then put the watch on top of it or the airport. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say whether, whether I would use it that often. Yeah. For me with the Samsung products, which have had it for since March now, um, I, I found it most useful when traveling. I don't have to worry about carrying a charger for the Galaxy watch yeah. active. You know, I have one phone, one cable, I'm able to charge it uh, both at the same time and it works great. And so in that regard, I'm looking forward to it. Now, how many times have I been out and about and looked at my watch and thought, man, I really need to charge it while I'm at dinner never you know it just doesn't happen so i think this is more for people who are constantly moving constantly on the go and need a just a quick top off so part of reverse wireless charging means they stick with the glass back right i mean wireless charging in general yeah. means they stick with the glass back uh, glass back bloomberg reported that the new iphones will have tougher glass and this is something that you recently talked about and wanted and i said you know the cases are ridiculous we don't need them and i'm going to jinx myself well guess what i did Oh, oh days ago, it fell off, cracked the back. I so told you. I had to file an Apple Care Plus claim. This is the second time ever I've ever dropped and broken anything on an iPhone. The last time was, I think, iPhone 5. So it's been quite a few years since it happened. You jinxed me. Good job. Thank you. Um, new iPhone <laughs> arrives today. So, you know, that's good. Apple Care Plus made it not as painless as it 
painful yeah. as it should have been, still a hundred bucks to replace the back. So look, I'm on board with tougher phones. I still don't think cases are needed, but look, give me that glass that's a little bit tougher and I'm gonna be uh, I mean, glass even more happy now. can be, you know, the ceramics in the, in the glass uh, business, you know, Corning and 3M, um, they've been able to do some pretty impressive stuff with glass. Um, for example, uh, there is glass on my house that can stop 190 mile an hour impact, right? I live in Florida, okay? I was, I was sitting this weekend in Hurricane Dorian. Uh, no, we didn't get hit with Hurricane Dorian, but I expected that if we were going to get hit with a Category 5, um, those glass uh, panes, ultra-thick glass, essentially almost bulletproof glass panes, uh, would stop uh, an impact from a projectile uh, or at least make it slow down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, there's no reason why we cannot use those technologies in our mobile devices or that we cannot make uh, the, the iPhone and other products that use glass sandwich technology, uh, you know, more resilient against damage. Yeah, just got to shrink down that technology. So I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad the hurricane missed you guys. Hopefully the Bahamas recover real fast. Uh, it's been horrible what's going on there. Look, this one, this next point is near and dear to your heart and mine. It appears USB-C is not going to be used this year in the iPhone. They're going to stick that, their proprietary lightning. That really bites. Yeah. It really bites. Yeah. I mean, look, we've talked about it multiple times. Yeah. Lightning connector. It's old tech. It was nice when it first came out. Kind of helped push USB-C, I think, a little bit further than it or faster than it, you know, it was going to move. It's great. But now it's time for Apple to move on. USB-C, all the things, fast charging. Let's make it happen. Hopefully next year. I mean, the iPad Pro has USB-C and it works great. And I can connect a bunch of accessories and use a ton of stuff. I'm curious if they're going to do that also in the consumer iPad this year. Maybe they'll also not just put in the Pro, but in the regular iPad as sort of they test the waters to see if people can dig it sort of thing. You know? Yeah, kind of see what the implementation's like, uh, see what kind of pushback they get from people. I have to buy another cable, that kind of stuff. Um, so let's talk displays. Right now, what do you, we know about the displays? Well, we, we believe that there will be all Samsung parts in all three uh, devices. So they will not use LCD in the XR this year. I believe that we'll also use OLED uh, in the XR this year. Um, so XR, you see, you just said it. That's why it was such a ridiculous R, R. What are we going to call it? 11R? R, you know, well, 11, no, no, 11, I mean, the names are going to, what really, you know, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm fully on board with them going all OLED. It's a much better display. Hopefully they can keep the same price points they did with that 10R and the cheaper, you know, being the most affordable $750 iPhone. Um, but here's one thing that I'm not sure I'm too ecstatic about. It's the fact that 3D Touch is going away. And now I know most people don't ever use 3D Touch. I don't use it. I use it every day, all day long, to peek at links, to open emails without marking them open, you know, doing little things like that. So the rumor is, um, and I think this again was according to Mark Gurman at Bloomberg, that haptic touch, which was on the iPhone XR, would replace his 3D touch. You know, 3D touch was when you would press on your iPhone screen and by the amount of pressure, other menus would pop up. So if there was someone sent you a link, you could peek and pop is what it was called. You could slightly press on the link to peek at it and a little window would pop up and preview the web or you could fully press on it and it would pop out and open Safari and you could view it. I use it all the time. So that peek and pop and the pressure is going to re be replaced with a long press, which in practice does a really 
good job at replacing it, but it's that extra step of pressing harder that's gonna go away. And, and the system's gonna have to kind of guess what your intentions are. And I look, I love 3D Touch. I wish it was staying around. I find, I don't like pressing hard on screens. I'm aware, I'm worried it's gonna crack if I do that. Even not that I know if the tensile strength of this thing designed by 3M recording is so high that it's never gonna happen, unless I'm a gorilla. <laughs> right. But, but even still, I don't like that, you know, that hard press thing that, that it's just, to me, it feels unnatural. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see how it goes for people that are heavy users of, of 3d touch and, and, and what, and what they'll, how they, you know, how they receive it. Yeah. And the problem was it was, it, it just wasn't very discoverable. People would accidentally trigger it. They yeah. would accidentally hit, you know, it, it 3d touch was never given the shot. It should have been given. It, yeah. it, it wasn't. So face ID, the notch, they're sticking around, right? And according to reports, the face ID is gonna gain the ability to recognize your face when it's laying flat on a desk, upside okay. down, and it's gonna gain you know, extra capabilities. Maybe, maybe even convert you to a fan of face ID. Yeah, possibly, we'll see. I still, I still want my touch ID back. <laughs> so we've kinda covered quite a bit for the iPhone. I mean, that's the crown jewel. That's what makes yeah. Apple all of their money. Um, and that's where they're going to spend a lot of their time. But what else are we expecting from the Apple event? Well, of course, you know, um, iPads, right? Um, iPad Pro, uh, it does, from what I understand from the various, you know, you know, accessory vendors and stuff that have been sending me junk over the last few weeks and, and whatnot, it looks, to, looks identical to the previous iPad. I, uh, they've essentially going to bump up the camera part on the rear, uh, they might bump up the camera part in the front, um, but it's the still same, uh, they, you know, the, the touch ID button is not coming back. Uh, it, and it's, it's, it looks identical except for, a, a, I believe it's gonna be a much faster processor. They're gonna include, uh, I think some more RAM on it. So they wanna have it be able to be more accommodating to the new iPad OS, be more of a desktop laptop replacement device. So just, just increasing its basic specs, I think is really gonna be what's on tap. Yeah, there's some unknown there with the iPad announcement. You know, Apple has gone back and forth from combining an iPhone and iPad event to announcing an iPhone in September and then waiting till October to announce iPads and maybe some new MacBooks, which there are rumors there's going to be a 16-inch MacBook Pro announced this year, the biggest MacBook Pro Apple's had in, in quite a few years. But uh, so we'll wait and see. We may hear about iPads next week. We may not. If we don't, October it is, you know. Um, and now there's another kind of sleeper announcement that I think Apple was trying to hold close, and that is a new Tile competitor. Those little Bluetooth trackers you could attach to your backpack. Or your oh, phone. really? And use Bluetooth on your phone to figure out where it's at, you know, have it play a sound. Well, I, I think it was Mac Rumors. It was one of the Apple websites. Mac Rumors, I'm pretty sure, discovered through an internal build of iOS 13 that the Find My app included in iOS 13 actually has some hidden potential, hidden features. And that is Apple is going to release their own Apple tag, eye tracker. I don't know what they're going to call it, but basically it's a tile competitor that will allow you to track your products, whatever you attach it to. And it'll have replaceable batteries so you can swap them out and not have to buy them once the battery dies like you have to with tile, yeah. um, some tile products. And, and so it'll allow you to track stuff throughout the you know, the real world and mark items is lost. But what I think is most appealing about this is Apple with iOS 13 introduced Find My, it combined Find My Friends and Find My Phone into one app. And with that, 
if you mark, say, an iPhone lost, and it's powered on, but maybe whoever stole it from you has disconnected it from cellular and Wi-Fi, but left Bluetooth on, you're actually able to have random strangers' phones that have Find My installed, uh, identify that device and let you know where it's at, but it's completely anonymous. They don't know they're doing it, you don't know who found it, and that you're able to track it. And I think these iTags or whatever they're gonna be called is gonna have that you know, functionality as well. And that, that to me is super appealing because the thing with Tile was you had to have another Tile user with the app running in order to yeah. find a lost device. Um, we don't know the price points on these, but it's fully expected Apple's going to launch them at the event. Should be kind of, you know, fun and interesting and, a, you know, a nice little accessory to add into their AirPods and all of that stuff that they're announcing as well. I got to say, I, I happen to love the Find My app. It's something that I use all the time. Yep. Uh, my wife and I are both, you know, joined to the same thing. So either I'm, I've misplaced my iPhone and, I, and she's going to find mine or, or, you know, actually, I mean, the, the, the watch itself can do it within, within a decent range. Um, but it's always one of us is it's just like, where's my phone? I'm like, okay, can you find my iPhone? Okay. <laughs> it, it's kind of like, you know, it's, 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 a, it's now a part of marriage. You know, it's like, you know. Yeah, my extension, find, find my friends. Phone, basically. Yeah, uh, we use Find My Friends quite a bit. We keep tabs on where the yeah. kids are at, um, where each other are, and not for any paranoid reasons. But sometimes it's nice to know, you know, instead of having to send a message and wait for a reply, you know, if my wife's at Walmart and I need her to pick something up for me, I could just send her a message. Hey, while you're there, get this. And so we use both versions, you know, Find My Phone, Find My Friends. You know, I'm glad it's consolidated in one app. It's pretty, pretty well done. Um, wait, we skipped over Apple Watch. What are we expecting Apple Watch wise. We're expecting none of the hardware to change at yeah. all. Yeah, I, I think just the outer casings are supposed to change. That's kind of what uh, reports and rumors. Ceramic sounds like to be the new additions, but other than that, it's gonna be the same exact Series 4 that we're wearing now. Which is great. I, you know, I've had the Series 4 for almost a year now. It's yeah. a fantastic watch. Battery life is still solid. The features they keep adding you know, through software updates, um, the ECG, the now in watch OS six, we have the hearing stuff. I, you know, I think it's, it's going to be fine to hold off a year. It's not one of those products. I feel like they have to update every no. single year. It's not a phone, right? Let take some time, miniaturize some more technology to put it on my wrist. We've talked about this before as well. We've talked about a lot, um, but you know, wait a year. That's cool. Let's stick with the series four. Apparently, Apple's going all in on titanium now. I mean, you have the Apple card titanium. You think we're going to have an Apple Watch that's titanium. But that's fine. Um, so one other thing that they always announce at the Apple iPhone event is the launch date of the next version of iOS. This year, it's iOS 13. Yes. Both been using the developer beta or public beta, whichever one. And um, I know what I think about it, but I'm curious to think, what do you think about the current state of iOS 13 and it launching in potentially two weeks? Well, you know, to be perfectly blunt, I think both ecosystems, operating, mobile operating systems are in a very weird state right now. Um, you know, Android 10 was released, uh, was it this morning um, or, or yesterday? Yeah. I mean, it, it felt like, like now, right? And, you know, I've been through the beta process for the last few months and it's just as buggy and awful in, in the release version uh, as it was in beta. Um, Instagram is broken. Uh, anything that uses storage API is broken. It, it's very weird, very weird behaviors uh, from from Android 10, especially on the Pixel 3, which is underpowered in terms of RAM. Um, I think the current generation of iPhones are also probably 
slightly underpowered in terms of the amount of RAM that they have. And I believe the standard iPhone now has four gigabytes um, in the um, in the in the the A12 series. I, I I'm not exactly a hundred percent sure. So I think what it is is the 10R has three and the. Yeah. 10s and 10s max have four i i might be mistaken as well but there is a differentiation between the two in both cases they both feel somewhat underpowered and resource constrained um i think we need to go to honestly a lot more than what we currently are are used i think we need to be looking at you know six gig and eight gig um iphones um ideally i think in the future i don't know if apple is going to do that uh, because they tend they tend to they tend to downsize their 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 builds but i think ios 13 is uh, enough of a leap in terms of functionality uh, and, uh, you know, in resource utilization that I think that it, re- it really does need it. Yeah, so I agree. Android 10 is kind of weird, especially the gesture navigation yeah. stuff. The back gesture, Google messed that up. They, yeah. big time, and they got in too late to be able to fix it. And now users have to kind of figure out whether or not gesture navigation is worth it. And I imagine the Pixel 4 is going to be gesture navigation by default, yes. potentially the only way to navigate, you know, like Apple did with the iPhone 10. So they need to fix it. They need to figure out a solution. As for iOS 13, I really, really wish that they were able to delay the release of iOS 13. Yeah incredibly buggy the mail app still doesn't work they've already released ios 13.1 in developer beta and they haven't even finished ios 13 you know through the normal process that they normally go and so i installed 13.1 thinking it would be better it was actually worse than and so i rolled back i'm I'm now back on regular ios 13 uh beta 8 i believe is what i'm on and it but the thing is that that release is tied to the new hardware. So they don't have a choice. They have to release iOS 13 when the new iPhones launch yes. because all the you know interaction firmware is there for the new hardware that's in those phones. It's too bad they can't kind of say, you know what, we need a little bit more time. We're gonna hold off, launch those new phones with 12.4 and you know, kind of just put it off. But from what I understand and you know, watching developers talk and and everything is they've actually moved pretty much all of the main headlining features of iOS 13 on to .1.2.3.4 like iCloud syncing it was completely redone in the first few betas all of that has been removed and reverted back to how it is on iOS 12 so folder sharing that was announced is not going to launch next week it's not oh wow okay right? Um, and you know, there's like the, uh, AirPod feature that will announce messages as you get them. And then you can reply without having to touch your phone. That's nowhere to be found in the betas right now. Like they've removed a lot of the headlining features, which look, I'm okay. If we view WWDC as, all right, here's iOS 13 for the next year. At some point you're going to get this, but that's not how they're framing it. And that's not how they've always framed it. They've always said, here's what you're getting with iOS 13 when it launches this fall or iOS, whatever, when it launches this fall, but I think they need to kind of take a step back and say, look, we're getting a little aggressive here. Here's the roadmap for iOS 13. It'll eventually come out. You know, well, that's we- really the Google and Microsoft way of doing things now, which is, you know, Microsoft said, this is Windows 10. The next update release of Windows 10 will have this, and then we'll start rolling other crap in the, during the course of the year. That's not the way Apple traditionally engineers things. You know, they, they have full release cycles, as you say, this is our version. This is what's coming with this version. Yeah. Next version, that's what's coming with that version. Um, I don't know if iOS has been sufficiently modularized 
to be able to accommodate that sort of development process. It's not something that the company has been used to interfacing with the developers and doing. Well, they're having to do it now. I mean, everything they've rolled back in iOS 13 that was announced and kind of pushed off, it's led to iOS 13 being the mess it is right now. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. And so we'll see what the gold, you know, the gold master uh, release is shortly after the iPhone event and how stable it is and what actually is going to end up being released. But I really wish they could delay it and kind of polish it off a little bit. And maybe a new mindset is what they need inside Apple as far as compartmentalizing iOS, as you said. So Jason, I have a question for you. Okay. Because I, and I know what the answer is because you and I had a little bit of a chat about it is, um, I'm on the upgrade program. Yeah. My wife is on the upgrade program. The endless payments. Yeah. I'm on it. I'm doing it. I'm, t- I'm, I'm tossing this one in. I already tossed, by the way, my iPad uh, over to, to Amazon for credit um, to get the new iPad, which I'm, I'm kind of thinking was a stupid move because of the, the, you lose so much value on that. I mean, they resell it for like almost what it cost originally, and then you get, you know, only half of it back. Yeah. Uh, which uh, is a bummer. I, I wish if iPad was an upgrade program and I just had to, comp- if I could just, com- you know, c- combine into one big lease payment for these two things, my iPad and iPhone gets upgraded every year, I would do it. But um, I know that you are, don't want to be on this train anymore, right? So when carriers first announced, and manufacturers as well, that you were going to start paying the full price for a phone instead of the subsidized three, $400 price, um, it was pitched as a good idea. Like, okay, the phone's seven, eight hundred thousand dollars but we're going to split that up over 24 months, no interest. So we're not charging you anything extra. And then, you know, to entice you a little bit, you could upgrade every 12 months. That sounds great. And it is great because you always have the latest technology, but you're never going to stop paying for a phone. You're always going to have that 40 or $50 payment on top of your wireless bill until you're satisfied. But with the way companies come out with phones, even if you say, all right, iPhone 11, really not that great of an upgrade. I'm going to stick it out for next year. Okay, you're still going to have a payment at the end of next year for on another phone. I, I'm tired of paying $54 a month for my iPhone 10s Max. I probably will get a new iPhone this year just for the additional storage. Literally, that's the only thing I'm looking at. Um, but I, I'm leaning towards just buying it outright and being done with that payment and saving monthly. Uh, I, I wish there was a better way to go about doing this. I realize why the carriers and the manufacturers got rid of the subsidies. I mean, the prices we pay are what carriers had always paid for the phones. They just counted on you signing a two-year contract, spending 13 months to break even, and then having profit for the rest of that contract. Uh, And I get why they did away with that because then it's all, you know, they're making profit a lot sooner and passing the cost off to us. It's just, I don't see an end to payment upgrade plans at all. And I don't feel comfortable paying $54 a month for the next 10 years, just so I can have the latest technology. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's sort of like, you know, the things that you and I have to deal with as, as technology writers, right. Then that we have to be on top of the latest models and features all the time uh, versus the, you know, Joe, you know, we like to call him Joe six pack, but you know, your average end user, um, do they really need to upgrade their phone every year or every two years? Uh, and, and people ask me this, Jason, what should I go buy? I have an iPhone 8. Should I go buy a, a, an 11, you know, when it comes in? I'm like, well, is it working for you now? Do your apps work the way that you want them to work? Do you need a better camera? Do you want X, Y, and Z? If you don't, then no. Right. 
just because I do this, you know, just because I'm buying a new Android every, every year and I'm buying a new iPhone every year and a new iPad. And it's because I have a reason to do it as a writer. I need to understand this stuff. Right. Um, if you're an end user and you have apps and they work and they do what they, they need to do, the phone's in good work in order. There's no need to replace that phone. Yeah. Yeah. Go to a three year upgrade cycle. You know, I mean, there's going to be big enough changes in those three years to technology that'll make a difference in the end experience for you. And you'll have a year of not making payments on a phone. You'll own that phone. And that's a rare thing now. And it's unfortunate that it, it you know, it got to the point where phones are a thousand dollars and people have to sit with that choice of this thing is $1,600. This is a two fifty six gig model. Yeah. Unreal. I mean, you could buy a really nice computer for that. And although, you know, these are computers we carry in our pocket, it just, it's, it's gotten a bit out of hand, I think. Yep, it has. And with that, Jason, I think we're done with this one. Yeah, I think so too. We have a good idea of what's expected at the next Apple event. And uh, I look forward to seeing hopefully some surprises. Yeah, I think the, uh, the recap on the event that we do on this should be interesting to see if these predictions come to, come to pass. Absolutely. I'm Jason Cipriani. I'm Jason Perlow. Thanks for watching J Squared.